Hi everyone, we have a super cool episode for you today and I just wanted to do a short intro uh, before we get started. Um, my oncologist, Dr. Sophia Mariver, is joining us today. I just wanted to, uh, here's her bio. Dr. Sophia Mariver received a doctoral degree in physics from the University of Maryland and a medical degree from the University of Michigan. She completed a residency in internal medicine and a fellowship in oncology at the University of Michigan before joining the faculty in 1994. Dr. Mariver, an expert in breast cancer genetics, is the medical director of the breast cancer and ovarian cancer risk evaluation program at U of M Rogel Cancer Center. Her research includes the molecular genetics of breast cancer, gene function, and cancer risk assessment. You guys, take a listen to this if you're in need of some hope, if you just want to hear um, some reassurance that there is progress being made and good things are happening. Can't wait for you to meet Dr. Mariver. Welcome back to I'm Still Here. I'm Larry. And I'm Heather. In 1998, at the age of 26, I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. It changed everything for us, but I'm still here. And we are so excited that our favorite guest is with us today. So uh, Dr. Mariver, I'm going to do a little intro prior to this and kind of read all of your accolades. But um, for everybody who's watching and listening, this is my oncologist, Dr. Sophia Mariver. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everybody. Can you believe it's been 25 years? No, I, you must be wrong in the math. I'm going <laughs> to have to check on that. Yeah. I'm yeah, no, it's hard to believe. It's very, very hard to believe that half a lifetime or some some portion of a lifetime has gone by. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've realized that yeah. I've actually lived with cancer longer than I can remember not living with cancer, right? So that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is crazy. So especially the way the way things were at the time you were diagnosed, you know. Yeah. It's it's really a real tribute to what you have done, what your family has done together and and what you've done with us and for us. So well, I think oncologists would be the ones who appreciate that the most because you know, us being newbies back then when she was diagnosed yeah. and coming in, that was our norm. And then, you know, once you get into this, you know, not the acute treatment, but beyond that, we we don't we don't stay up on you know everything that's going on different we hear things and obviously go along with that but right. you see the whole scope of the changes that have been made in treating metastatic yeah. cancer can appreciate yeah. it yeah and i have to say um i have to say that your cases um is is we hope is more common um uh, and it still is painfully uncommon but more common than it used to be, and so yeah. you know. Uh, can you for, can you attribute that to one thing? Um, the fact that it's getting more common now. Yeah. Yeah, to be having more treatments available in series, you know, people able to go to the next treatment and stay for many years on a particular treatment before it shows true signs of progression. But as, I, as you have experienced, one of the challenges of, of uh, people living with metastatic cancer of all different types 
is that it is very hard for the doctors and the patients to know when there is true progression and when yeah. are we just jumping the gun and just super nervous about you know every eyelash that falls and mm. uh, you know in in what to how to react and that is something that I distinctly recall walking around the hallways you know waiting waiting for experiments to be done and thinking about you uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know thinking yeah. about Heather thinking about Larry thinking about Sydney thinking about your family and what can I do how do I come up with the next thing to do you know, if things fail, you know, what am I going to be prepared to do? I remember that, yeah. uh, you know, I remember, you know, passing by somebody in the hallway who didn't look like they were too much in a hurry and saying, can I ask you a question? I have this patient, you know, so, you know, there was no stone unturned. And I think I told you many times when you came to see me, you know, I'm going to this meeting, I'm going to talk to people yeah. about you. Yeah. I have said that probably more than once, and I did talk to people about it. Right, you know, you know, Harvard everywhere. You know, it didn't matter, but you know, I have so. I mean, like the community is so wonderful and so united in being so focused on helping patients. Didn't always. It didn't. It didn't used to be like that all the mm -hmm. time. You know, patients sometimes were in a separate corner. You yeah. know the old-fashioned way but as you know I didn't like that so I was never like that right well and it, the fact that you imparted those words to me that you said you know there are treatments we're considering other treatments you I re remember you telling me that we're going to keep Herceptin in our back pocket like the fact that you conveyed those words to me gave me so much hope right the fact that I knew that you were kind of, that's how I kind of think about it is tucking away treatments in a, in a pocket somewhere to pull them out if need be. And, mm -hmm. and I think probably most oncologists are doing that, but you have such an amazing way of conveying that. And it's, it's just, Thank you know, you. again, those sound bites that I held on to and still hang on to, you know, so. Yeah. Well, you taught me that, you know, you taught me that it was worth spending the time thinking it through, you know, I, that's what I do, you know, that's my <laughs> superpower, I yes. think, I, over, I overthink everything, you know, <laughs> you know, and so I, you taught me that, you know, the way, I think I, the most impact I, I got the feedback was from you, because you were kind, and your family was so kind always to, to mention those things to me, and so I listened, and it taught me how to talk to other people, you know, and 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 I I was still developing my style mm -hmm. of and I always knew I wanted to talk to my patients the way I would talk to my family. I already knew that. Yes. You know, I was taught in medical school to be careful with not getting too close to patients, especially right. in cancer, because you are going to burn out, you're right. gonna do that. And then I saw myself burning out if I kept the distance yes because that would just drive me nuts and yeah. then I would spend all that energy overcoming right you know going nuts because I was so distant so I I just thought I leave it everything on the table and uh and what happens happens I will I will embrace my patients as and will talk to them as if they were my family I will fight for them as if they were my family because, you know, medicine is too hard. 
You know, you're, I wasn't going to go into medicine. I already had a career. I could have just done research in my lab the rest of my life, and I would have been, you know, a reasonably happy camper. Mm -hmm. But I wanted this relationship. I wanted to know that I that I mattered in people's lives in some way that was meaningful. And, and so, you know, you taught me all this. You know, wow. you changed many things. And you changed many things the way my colleagues approach then patients like you. Because, you know, we didn't have, you know, I know I'm not revealing any secrets. I mean, at the time you started surviving. Yeah. You know, way beyond your theoretical expiration date, right? Right. Uh, you know, it, it's just, you know. I do want to say that yeah. that was never conveyed to us in even a suggestion. Right. From the whole University of Michigan, you know, from, from you on down, that that thought was never conveyed to us. It was never even put into after we got there. And I'll be honest, we kind of came in to the University of Michigan and met you with the thought that there's 50 Heathers walking around the halls there and everybody's doing this. And to to hear you say like that she was kind of unusual in that. It, that was never, that was not our thought. Well, I think it, really it was wasn't. because of the confidence in yes. which you yeah. and the university takes on cases. Yes. And it's yeah. so that then again, transfers over to the patient where I had just spent a week being told that I was such an anomaly, that this would never happen, that this never, and failing every test, right? <laughs> and then- yeah. And then I get to you and it's like, come on in. And I under, I mean, I see how cancer yeah. works and we're going to, you know, it doesn't mean I have all the answers, but it means we're going to figure this out to the best of our ability. And what a huge relief that is compared to other approaches, other places. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was at that time. Uh, at that time, it was critical to, to have that approach and I would have it today, but I would do, I would do nothing different today. Yeah. And I would do nothing more or less. I mean, I would do exactly the same today. Yeah. And, you know, as a young physician, relatively young yeah. specialist, because, you know, I, you know, I have a sports certified in internal medicine, but, you know, I was right. a young oncologist. And so I hadn't seen, you know, I had had, I had, had one other patient, I believe, um, younger than you, but you were otherwise the second youngest or the third youngest I had seen, certainly with metastasis. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was absolutely what I, what I studied and what I've been thinking about. And then you came along and you taught me and your family, your love, your dedication, everything, you know, you taught me how it's done. <laughs> And, and then I was able to, no, no, I was able to use that, you know, and, and from that point forward, I don't know if you remember my saying this to you, but I adopted a way to say to the family when the fa whole family was in the room and everybody distressed, as you have very well described in your podcast, 
a mo you know, it's just your life changed completely and your piano falls on your head and here is mom and dad and their 38-year-old daughter with mm -hmm. two young children with metastatic cancer. And they're sitting there. And I remember I adopted this way of saying, you guys are going to do 85% of it and I'll do the 15%. It's an important 15%, but I'll deliver that. But you need to do 85% because I realized from you, Heather and Larry, mm -hmm. uh, and their family and your friends and your dedication, that that's what carried you through. So yeah. I started talking to people like that, but I hadn't thought of talking to people like that before you. That makes me so happy because there's nothing that I want more than to be able to impact other women and families in this so to think that we are even you know partnering in that in different ways you know you in in your office and and when you meet patients and me you know by doing this work it's nothing makes me happier than, than that yeah it leads yeah. me into one of my questions because so many people are shop for oncologists you know they they, they get second opinions and they find something that fits and, and that's fine yeah what if we reverse that what because there are people listening to this that that are patients or, or that know somebody what's the ideal patient yeah let's hear from your side because it's always too. the other way <laughs> oh no, seriously yeah. It, you, yeah. I mean, just in no, general just... what attributes make an ideal patient you know so, uh, uh, there is no ideal patient because okay. uh because that's the training mm -hmm. you know okay. the, what i teach is you know, cancer is the great equalizer. Persons yeah. that you would go bowling with and have dinner with and hang out with will get cancer. And persons you don't even want to talk to in the in, in the hallway or if you meet them, you know, at a, at a party, you're not going to have a five-minute conversation with them. They'll get cancer too and they'll trust you to, to, to cure them and to at least try mm -hmm. and so that's what i teach so it should be absolutely no difference to you and you should leave everything on the table in both cases and if not don't go into medicine certainly not into cancer medicine cancer medicine you know of course i'm biased right but i think it's different yeah. i think it's you know as i told you many times hey it's not the common cold so you know yeah, you know, you... when you when you give the most toxic drugs in the planet to young people, to people who still want to have children, to people who want to have a life, to have 40 years or 50 years ahead of them, and you have to give them those years back because cancer is going to take them away. Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of specialty, yeah. you know. It just you you are there for the long haul. You have to you have to believe that every patient is going to outlive you, and that's your job. And, uh, you know, that's what I teach. So there is no ideal patient, but, you know, it's easier. I didn't it's mean easy. ideal. I meant, yeah. I, I guess. What do, you, what do you like to see? What If somebody comes to you. Well, yeah. yeah you know, people who really, um, you know, who really trust science. Because not everybody can be a scientist. God knows I wouldn't know how to coach a football team or how to do physical therapy on somebody. I wouldn't know the first thing about any of that. And I would, you know, so I respect you guys in your professions tremendously. So you, if you trust science and you think you are with a rational doctor who explains things to you and you have the emotional connection 
then th th that makes my job easier because what I will do for you is going to be based on you as a whole person yeah. from a scientific, emotional, intellectual, family, transportation. I will take everything into account. I won't come up with some some therapy that you are never going to do because of you already told me I don't want right. this or I can do now when people start being too selective it's very difficult mm -hmm. you know I see patients who say well I don't really want surgery uh, okay you know so th this is the data we have we have the data that surgery in your case would be well, I don't want surgery. Okay, okay but mm -hmm. it isn't the you know it isn't the Chinese restaurant with the menu columns, right? right. I, I would right. love for medicine to be that, but things yeah. are not equivalent. Right. I can I can come up with a treatment for anyone if they want to be treated at all. I can come up with it, but will it be as good as I could do? Probably not. Right. If they start blocking a lot of doors, so that is easier because. It bothers me and I suffer emotionally of this at the thought that I'm doing lesser treatment. But you know, I've been pretty effective at persuading people by ration <laughs> by, by rationally explaining things yeah. to them. Yes. <laughs> Not all the time, but um, I hardly remember many cases where the patient and the family didn't say, We and we get it. Let's yeah. see how it goes. We'll we'll go with you. Yeah. You know, and people shop, you're right. In the shop, the name, and should I go to Mayo? Well, uh, you know, Rochester, Minnesota. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it, you know? So yeah, go, you know? <laughs> but that's fine. You're probably gonna get uh, a biopsy or surgery uh, before you leave. But, you know, this is totally fine. It's a great institution. The last thing you'll find me doing is throwing dirt on anyone else. And I encourage second opinions. Absolutely. Uh, and and you guys have gone to Mayo and uh, and you've taught me. Not for oncology, it. we haven't. Not for oncology. No, I know. I know. But but you've done no, but you've taught me and I was curious. And you know, mm -hmm. I try to, you know, I'm a constant learner. Sure. You know, I have to be. Mm -hmm. I owe this to my patients. I have to learn something every day, more than one thing, many things. If I don't learn something every single day, Monday, Monday through Sunday, there are no weekends for me. I get up at four in the morning and I start learning about cancer at four in the morning. This is what I do. I was already emailing today by five people that are annoyed. Your dedication is astounding. Well, it's so, what it takes. It's difficult. So can you talk a little bit about some things that excite you that are coming? That oh, are I am so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited about what we are doing. I'll tell you what we are doing, and um, and I'm just I'm just so happy. You know, uh, people can get biopsies now uh, of metastatic lesions that are progressing, and we are able in our laboratory to test the drugs ahead of time, ahead of them getting the drug. Wow. And we can, in the little piece of tissue that we get, we can put it in special dishes that we developed over a period of seven years. We've been working on this for seven years. And we are in a position now having many samples. Uh, we have over 300 now. And we have a paper now that is almost going to be, I think, impressed in a couple of days in bladder cancer. We have several papers on brain metastasis. And we are working on lung cancer. And of course, we started everything 
in breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are able to, in uh, in situations where they would be guessing anyway, the doctor yeah. and the patient will be guessing on what to do next, patients progressing, uh, we are able to provide that information. And we are developing understanding, yeah, so now, you know, in you know, in the next year or so, uh, we are going to be certified to to return those results. It's still under research, but we believe the results are very accurate. And now we are gathering information about how exactly accurate. But for example, what we call the negative predictive value, that is, if we say your tumor is resistant to this drug, yeah. we are a hundred percent right so far. Wow. And if the patient went on to get that drug, they didn't respond. And then they had to switch again. Yeah. So on all the cases that we know, which is now over 50, so so that's very rare to be so accurate in the negative. Now, the positive is harder because people have several options and they may or may not go on the options that for us were the top, top. So, but... um. So we are able to very sadly, and we are getting patients coming to Michigan with lung cancer, for example, which is incredibly difficult to treat mm-hmm. in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases. And they are coming from all over uh, yeah. and wanting to come to Michigan because basically we have this and they can't find it anywhere else. Mm. That's so, so yeah, so we are very much focused on this. And uh, you know uh, what is all due to to generous people who decided I'm gonna support your work. I would like that to happen. So, you know, I was talking to people 10, 15 years ago. I want to do this, and they like, okay, well, what will it take? Yeah. And I told them, and, and they came through. People, different people have come through and supported this. It's just the people of Michigan <laughs> have supported this work. It wasn't the government. It wasn't drug companies. It was yeah. it was people. Okay, so one of my questions that I did have is, you know, somebody wants to support slash donate slash that kind of thing to do, get the most bang for their buck in cancer studies. What would what do you recommend specifically? Yeah, just donate money. Donate money to uh, to organizations. Well, it all depends what your what your passion is and your. Let's legacy. say let's say there's not a specific passion. They just want their money to go. Right. How do they get it to you to somebody? Oh, well, like, see, well. So I was gonna say, if somebody <laughs> wants to change the future for their yes. children and grandchildren, and 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 they and if they don't have children for everyone else in humanity, you need to support science because it's only through science that we make these discoveries that allowed you to live the twenty five years. I was just the conduit of getting those discoveries to you. Uh, and so, yeah, people at the University of Michigan, we are so fortunate, 100% of donations that are earmarked for research in my laboratory will be controlled by me and my team, and will only go for research. Hmm. You know, we won't repair things, we don't, it doesn't go to other things, it doesn't yeah, go so to is that don't so is that writing a check to the University of Michigan or is that I don't know how this works. Yeah, I'll... this works very simply. Yes, you write a check to the University of Michigan. You can send it uh, to my office or you can send it to the development office, the central development office. 
at the University of Michigan, which I can probably find the address somewhere. Well, we can get that address well, we and we can add put it, it up into here. The notes. Yes. Okay, you can add it into the notes. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but as long as they make it to the University of Michigan, they can put in the memo for Dr. Meriver's research. Yeah. And it will be deposited in an account that I uh, use for research to pay people's salaries and and analyze tumors mm -hmm. and find out how to cure people. So that's all that we do with the money. 100%. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know that, that it's that simple that you can do that. Uh, I'll be honest. A lot that. of times they, they'll say they're, they're not going to give to organizations because they know of all of, you know, the, the stuff that right. goes on, right? So... Yeah. It really is that simple to be able to it get really it to simple. somebody like you who is doing it. Well, well, if they want it, they can just earmark it. They can put a hundred note. They can put in the memo of the check. Yeah. You know, I want Dr. Mariver's research. And that's like people know. They yeah. know to expect. Uh, you know, I'm going to send my, my holiday cards. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I send lots of holiday cards. And that. Uh, I'm hoping that somebody will resonate because yeah. I do depend on it. Yeah. I do depend on it. There is there is no other line of funding. Uh, you know, I started many years ago with this. You yourself know this. Uh, we talked about that in the, in the clinic many times because you were kind enough to bring it up. Uh, you know, and uh, but this has been this has been uh, life changing for me. It has allowed me to train. Not 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 a hundred, but over three hundred scientists mm -hmm. that are all over. Wow! So that's that's my big legacy too, Gee. that we don't talk about all this all the students, postdocs, mm -hmm. graduate students, junior faculty, all the people who pass. There is a there is a spreadsheet. Some <laughs> of the people I don't remember their faces all that much. I hope they're not offended, but it's many years, but it's also many people. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's the passion that I have is to really train them, to really teach them how I think and and, and so that the work continues, mm -hmm. you know, the legacy. And yes. that's kind of my relationship with donors, with philanthropists, with anyone, whether they give $5, $50 or $500,000, it's the same relationship. I'm grateful for every dollar I get and $5 is plenty, whatever you can afford. We are, you are going to be welcome and I'm going to send you a personal letter thanking you. I don't care if it's $1. Yeah. You will get my letter. It may not be tomorrow, but you'll get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, yeah, because I'm very grateful. I mean, that's a huge honor because people who give a dollar, they that's all they have. And if yeah. they give it to me, I'm lowered by that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Why do you think Fazledex has worked for me switching gears yeah well i think it's a great drug everybody knows that you know it was one of those kind of uh back the, through the back door drugs uh you know people were were getting a little tired of okay we only have one or two anti-estrogens and it's a great drug it's a fabulous drug it's very difficult for cells to become resistant to it Okay. And so, you know, it just, unfortunately, it's a literal pain in the butt, right? But, um, you know, and, it, <laughs> yeah. and it's... You it's know. a small price to pay, though. It's a very I'm small sorry. price to pay. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, but I'm still very sorry about that. I was yeah. just thinking about it today in anticipation of talking to Think you. Think about how much 
No, yeah, I'm Me thinking too. about it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like for a doctor, that's okay. Uh, one yeah. shot is way better than two, if anybody from Astros yeah. is listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. No, but, uh, but you know, I, yeah, I think it's worth great because your cells, okay. uh, you know, if there are any, um, anywhere are trying to do you uh, some harm, they are really inhibited by this drug. And that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can, if we can make all of metastatic breast cancer, a disease that you just get a treatment for, and yeah. you live your life to the fullest, and, and, and you do not worry about that premature suffering that you're always dreading when you're yeah. a cancer patient. So if you could just forget about it, Mm -hmm. Not by willpower, but by seeing the success. So what you are doing with your podcast is so important. I sent it to the lung cancer uh, community because I met with a patient who came from California to have his biopsy here. And he, he said, you know, we need to hear about patients that live a long time because yeah. in lung cancer, not some, not that, that is huge for us. Mm -hmm. We don't have as many examples. And yeah. So, and I, I mean, that was the first thing we looked for too, was examples. Yeah. And, and now, you know, it is easier with the internet, but I still, I don't know of people who have lived longer than I have. Um, so that's why it's important to me, you know, yes. to, to yeah. get the word out. I guess maybe I did at one point. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It is um, very important. You've talked a lot about, uh, like you've talked about your legacy in terms of training scientists, but can we talk a little bit more about your legacy of of how you interact with patients and going back to that? Yeah. yeah. Do you do you get the opportunity to talk to med students, things like that? I just think if if I could, the other thing that's so important is just the way that you empower women to live you know and the words that you say I literally I it's like the sound bite of my the get the green tea the we'll start killing cancer on Monday the we are clobbering the cancer those are the things Dr. Mariver that just live forever they live forever yeah yeah but you taught me that you taught me how important it is you know I really didn't know I, I was always careful with my words and I was I, I was very fortunate that I was brought up by people who were very generous and, and loving and giving and and you know they taught me how to speak to people. I you know, so many things one doesn't learn in medical school really, you learn when you're right. young. And so I was very fortunate that way. But I also listened. And, yeah. uh, but you taught me how important the words are because I wanted so desperate that Friday afternoon that we spoke on the phone. I yeah. was in the lab speaking to you from the lab phone yeah. after your, your brother talked to me and you found me. Yeah. Um, you know, I was so desperate to think of things to say to give you hope over the weekend. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember, I told you to go for a walk with your husband and to hold hands. I and don't to remember tell him. And No, no, I did left tell that you part that. Out. Oh, left that part out. He didn't want to do that. <clears throat> okay. I remember the green tea, fruits and the vegetables. The green tea, but to, that you had to tell him that there, that there was going to be a journey, that they, the walk, yeah. that walk outside was the journey, but the beginning of the journey. 
That's what I, I wanted so desperately to come up with a way because the story you told me made me very, your brother told me first, it made me very angry. Yeah. You know, I was angry inside and I was trying to find a way of squashing that so that I could talk to you calmly and that you wouldn't pick up on any anxiety or fear or anything because I'm not afraid. You nailed it. Because <laughs> she still talks about that first conversation to so many people and it was so impactful that if you did have any of that, it did not come across and it changed her life. Thank you. I, and I uh, hope that you've yeah. had doctors and residents and people be, I hope you've been able to model that over the years again and again. I know sometimes you have people in there when I'm there on clinic days and, and yeah. stuff like that, but it's just so important, yeah. you know, to be kind of going back to what you said about the whole, you know, them telling you not to get too involved because of burnout. You yeah. know, I've worked a lot of times in nursing homes and the best part of the nursing home is getting to know people and even knowing them as they're getting ready to die, you know, like mm -hmm. getting to just mm -hmm. letting them be seen and, and feeling seen and learning from them. So this, yeah. this relationship with patients is so important. Yeah, it is. And it is, it is the theme of my life. And so I take it very seriously. If I could show you my texts, you would see yesterday night, you know, I'm talking to my husband for the first five minutes that I'm talking to him in the whole day, yeah. you know, and then I get some texts from the daughter of a patient of mine for many years who passed away. I, and, uh, you know, and it was a tremendous relationship and I was there when when she was close to passing and she asked me to watch out for her kids oh. and and I promised her I would and so from that point forward I you know they send me their Christmas cards mm -hmm. and I communicate and then her, her daughter she had a daughter she had she has a daughter and a son and uh, the daughter is considering some uh, taking some medicine to prevent breast cancer and her doctors are telling her things. So she's checking with me and yeah. it's 930 and Melvin's trying to talk to me. And I yeah. say, I hey, hold off. I have to answer some texts here. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. He knows. He knows. You know, it's like, he knows. He's, he's, he didn't leave a long time ago. He's <laughs> And so he knows. He's doing he knows. A, his own amazing things. He, right? He's yeah. doing his own amazing things and he's getting texts all the time too. Yeah. But I, I, you know, so we exchanged a text and she, and she sent me all these hearts and saying, I can always count on you. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I promised your mom. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's a no brainer, you know, you promise, you promise. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be for the rest of my life. So yeah, it is. It is very important. I try to teach it, but you know, everybody has to find their path. Sure. Everybody has to find, but they have to know that it's okay, that you will survive it. If you get close to people, your that. life will only be richer. I agree. You know, and look I, what you have done for people. And isn't your life richer for it? Absolutely. And actually, the more you do it, the better you are able to see the joy in it yeah. and and understand that death is a part of life sometimes right and yeah. it's always sadness but it's 
it's not worth avoiding a relationship over oftentimes. No, but cancer didn't get its way. You know, that's that's what I like. Yeah. <laughs> I like for cancer to not get its way. You like to kill cancer. <laughs> yeah, so life it should be much longer than cancer had in mind for every one of us. And yeah. that's my job. That's where I come in. Absolutely. And that's it. That's the calling. And that's I'm I'm so honored and, and, and grateful for having that opportunity because not all of medicine is like that. And in, in spite of all the bureaucracy and all the things I can complain about at Notion, yeah. at the end of the day, I get to I get to help people in a way that is that is a gift to me. At a time a where they're desperate. Yeah. They're absolutely yeah. and they are making major, major decisions that impact them, they impact their children, yes. their partner, everybody. So many people impacted by what happens to one person, right? Yeah. It's a circle. And uh and it's a, just a, such a gift to be able to do that. And uh, and then in my work, you know. I, you know, I can't wait to get up and start getting something done, you yeah. know, because this is for the sake of not letting cancer get away with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know. So are more drugs being fun. developed or are we just using them? Yeah, better? we we got some drugs coming up for lung cancer that they're amazing. We are going to get them patented. We have to talk to a patent office at Michigan, uh, a colleague of mine. Um you know, part of the funding uh, that that we distributed to different projects. We're getting new new drugs for lung cancer, completely new. And when so, you talk yeah. about that, I think it's important to know that cancers work together, right? Like you're, oh, yeah. Again, in you know, breast cancer benefits from lung cancer. All of the research can benefit from each other. All of the research, all of the research. In fact, I was just uh, meeting with the um, with the CEO of Delta Airlines, Ed Bastian who's a wonderful person and Delta Airlines has contributed to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation to fund my work. And I was talking to Ed and I was telling him, I said, you know, all the money that uh, that we got from Delta Airlines through VCRF mm -hmm. has helped the research in breast cancer, but now I'm using all of that for lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he got emotional. He said, you are? Because mm -hmm. I have no idea. My dad was never mm -hmm. a smoker and he died as a relatively young man of lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all of a sudden, this guy is the CEO of the largest airline in the world who moves yeah. 300 million people. And here he was practically in tears talking to little me, thinking, oh, my God, my company contributed to, you know, curing the cancer that killed my dad. And, you know, of course, when his dad had lung cancer, like when my dad had lung cancer, it was practically nothing. I mean, it's just you watched people just, right. you know, give in. But, you know, but this is totally changed. And hopefully we're going to change it using a lot of the knowledge. Oh, yeah. The rising tide of science lifts everything. That's funny. I've been thinking about the rising tide lately about that, right? Of how it lifts many boats. So yeah, it's interesting. Do you have any other questions? I do. I have one more, but, it, but it's on, your list. Really on an up note. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's, um, let me make sure I read it right. What frustrates you the most either in oncology or in science or in, or at the university of Michigan? <laughs> Well, no, I'm curious. I, yeah. what, what are the roadblocks? What are the frustrations? 
and this could just be a gene. <laughs> no, the, the the frustrations are um how slow the discoveries reach the patients. Okay. In my mind's eye, I see things happening at a given rate, but there are lots of obstacles. Not all of them just oh you don't have enough money. That is often an obstacle, money. But but that's nothing to get mad about. That's an obstacle always in life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything costs some money, and right. so in research costs a lot of money. But uh, but there are other obstacles. You know, not everyone is so fervently, you know, dedicated to to rushing the mm -hmm. the treatments through. So that is the frustration. The frustration is to not see uh, the discoveries reaching patients fast enough. Okay. And and that's the biggest one for me. But sure. that's not a Michigan thing. It's in fact in Michigan. I think we've improved a lot. But you know, I fight for it. You know how I like it. I like it perfect. Mm -hmm. And until it's perfect, and it'll never be perfect. But until it's perfect, I will say that it can be better. And you know, I love the University of Michigan, but it isn't perfect. Yeah. And uh, and I want it to be perfect. So and and just to add to that a little bit, I remember thinking. I just need to keep going. I need to be stable long enough for them to keep discovering the next thing, right? So yeah. rather yeah. than view that as something negative necessarily, I just had to have faith in the fact yep. that it is happening and I'm going to do my whatever I can, right, to to be here for it. To be you know. here for it and, and, and you are. Yeah. And, it's, and the, it's, you still have things in your back pocket. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> every every day there are no there are no approvals. Yeah. For for the type of cancer you had or have, nobody yeah. knows. Nobody yeah. knows what is what is going on, and I we, I, we don't I'm care. Not, I'm not talking stable, to it. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and I'm not talking to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've 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 told it to be quiet. So. Yeah, we've told it to be quiet. We're not having conversations at this yeah. time. Yeah. Well, Dr. No, Marber, yeah. what do you want to, do you have anything you want to say? No, just thank you for inviting me to celebrate 25 years. I do know it's 25 years. I was joking mm -hmm. before and I have cherished every time I see you, uh, you know, you are my family and I'm not, I'm not embarrassed or sad or ashamed to say that. I hope, I hope you don't mind. I know you oh, have wonderful family. Yeah, you don't need. You don't need another meddling relative that I consider myself. No, we do. We absolutely are so Part of your family. happy to be, to have more than just a patient relationship with mm -hmm. you. So it made a big yeah. difference. Yeah. It still yeah. makes a difference. Yes. And yeah. I, you know, I will always be at your service. <laughs> we appreciate that. Um, all, right. all right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And 25 years and okay. we'll put some notes in the show and we'll get some links up there so people can give a dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars by the way that's not why dr mariver came on this program nope. by any means no. we just want the money to keep no. going yeah <laughs> that's no. not no, yeah, this, no, 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 no. I asked, I invited you to come and just, I know what an inspiration. Mm -hmm. uh, some of our highest podcasts have been the ones that we've done together. And it's just important. People uh, want to hear you. People need hope right now. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Right, when it comes And to that's what I want to leave you with. There is, there is so much hope, especially yeah. in breast cancer, but in all cancers, there's so much hope. Don't give up hope. But you remember, I always say, 
Don't give one day up to cancer that it doesn't deserve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fight for every day. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Stay well.